hi, here's my story, Dargon. Have you seen Dargon yet tonight? Pip asked his sister, hurriedly scraping his leeks into the trash while Da was grabbing the dragon loaf from the kitchen. His sister Clara swallowed a large chunk of lamb before flitting her eyes to the kitchen to make sure Da wasn't in earshot. Stopped by earlier and said he'd be back around midnight, she whispered. Pip's face lit up, and he scrambled back to the wooden dinner table with his newly leakless plate. Well, is he going to take us to the valley? he asked, his voice hushed but excited. Clara looked again toward the kitchen. He says if we can meet him in our yard without any fuss, he'll take us. Pip pumped his fists in the air, but he immediately shrunk down when the sound of heavy footsteps drifted in from the kitchen. Both children looked up to see a tall man with a thick beard walk in carrying a scaled loaf of bread. The man looked at Pip's plate. So you've finished your leeks, eh? he asked. Pip nodded vigorously. So you wouldn't mind if I just peeked into the trash over here then, would you? Actually, I think it's high time I took out the trash, Da. You're always on me about getting my chores done and all, Pip hastily stammered, but he was too late. Da was already at the trash can, lifting up the lid. Just as I suspected. Well, I'm sorry, Pip, but it looks like there'll be no dragon loaf for you tonight. Da shook his head and frowned. Such a shame. But Da! Sorry, Pip, them's the rules, but Clara, be my guest. Da gestured to the knife next to the dragon loaf. Clara eagerly cut a slice of bread and tore into the faux-scaly delicacy. Pip cast a look of absolute betrayal at her, but she ignored him and munched on. As soon as Clara finished her slice, she placed her utensils down and joined hands with Don Pip, Pip grumbling as he clasped her hand. They all looked up toward the ceiling and chorused, Thank you, Mala, for our plentiful feast. With that, they let go of each other's hands, and Pip grabbed the plates from the table to wash them. All right, to bed with ye, Da called, when the water of the sink stopped running. We have an early day of working in the fields. But Da, cried Pip, can't you at least tell us one story? Clara asked, her eyes wide and pleading. Da sighed. Fine. One story, if you go now. The children wasted no time. They dashed up the worn wooden staircase to their shared bedroom. The room was small and had only two beds by way of furniture. The slanted ceiling jutted downward, making it appear even smaller. Pip and Clara jumped into their beds and under the sheets as Da entered the room at a much slower pace. The children looked out up at him eagerly. Tell us about the time before the war, Clara demanded. Da chuckled at the commonplace request and sat down on the edge of Clara's bed. All right. Now, as you know, back in the day, before the Great Dragon War, dragons used to roam free throughout the lands. But they particularly enjoyed one place, and that is our very own dragon town, aptly named. They used to keep shops, help with fieldwork, all sorts of things. Humans and dragons worked together nicely and were able to form a functioning society. But as my granddad always used to say, a dragon will never be satisfied if he is equal to anything else. And he was right. The dragons of Dragontown began to force human shopkeepers out of competition with their shops. They rose up in the ranks of field workers and became the ones to bark orders at human workers as they themselves blazed around and scorched to the ground with bored breaths of fire. So that's why they were banished to the valley? Clara asked. Da chuckled. Not exactly. That was after we defeated them in the war. But that was why the war started, yeah? Pip questioned. Da shook his head. There were many reasons the war started. There was a lot leading up to it. This certainly helped add to the tension growing between humans and dragons, but the war truly started when the King of Dragons challenged our king. And after that, there was no going back to any sort of peaceful coexistence. It was either going to be the dragons or the humans that were banished to the valley. Why did the King of Dragons challenge the human king? Pip pushed. Clara nodded, bunching her sheets in her hands. 
Now that is a question for another night. Bedtime, Da said, standing and brushing off his dusty work pants. As he stepped out of the door out the door of their room, he turned back for a moment. But always remember what Grand Eye taught me. A dragon is only looking ever looking out for himself. If he thinks he can rise in power by using you, he will. And if he manages to corner you, you're through. With that, Da blew out the candle that had been burning in the room and left the children in silent darkness. Pip and Clara lay under their sheets, barely daring to breathe, while they waited for the telltale sound of snoring from the room across the hall. As soon as they heard the first loud rumble, they slowly rose and slipped out from under their sheets, nearly in sync. Pip reached under his bed to pull out a frayed but strong rope, and, eyes having grown accustomed to the dark, tied one end to the bedpost closest to the window. Clara grabbed her fluorescently scaled dragon stick from beside her bed. The hollow stick contained little beads that, if shaken, would produce a scale screech, a sound known to be unbearable to dragons. Pip eyed the stick warily. Just in case, Clara whispered. Okay, Pip shrugged, but no fuss. Clara rolled her eyes. I'm not about to shake it with that in the next room over. Do you think I'm crazy? Pip just shrugged again, sending Clara into a fit of quiet grumbles. Pip looked out the smudgy window to the yard behind their cottage. The pale light of the moon glistened on the dewed grass and gave the world outside a bluish glow. A lanky, long-haired figure stepped into his field of view. Pip pressed his face against the window to get a better view. The figure had a book tucked under his arm, and his head was tilted up toward their window. Clara, he's here, Pip said, with as much enthusiasm as one can inject into a whisper. Clara glided over to the window and pushed it open. She poked her head out and waved at the figure. Pip handed her the loose end of the rope, and she started climbing down the side of the house, her dragon stick firmly tucked under her armpit. When she reached the ground, Pip made his way down and stepped deftly onto the grass. Dargan! the children exclaimed quietly as soon as they were in earshot. Hey there, kitties, Dargan called. You ready for your entire world to change? The children nodded excitedly. Dargon's statements were always grandiose. Then let's go! The children scrambled to follow Dargan's long strides. It was difficult to keep up with the outspoken resident of Dragontown when he was on a mission. You're in for a real treat tonight, you know. Tonight's the annual dragon dance. It's magnificent, Dargon said. Pip and Clara clapped their hands, but Pip paused in his excitement. Say, Dargon, he began, if dragons are so magnificent, how come everyone says they're dangerous? Dargon glanced down at the small, the much shorter boy. Ah, my dear Pip, the two aren't mutually exclusive. And besides, do you know anyone alive today that's actually met a dragon? How can anyone say what a dragon is truly like without talking to one himself? Pip scrunched up his face in thought, but Clara, the shortest of the lot, decided to chance her luck at debating with Dragon Town's most curious denizen. But can't we learn from the people who came before us? They met dragons, so there must be a reason they've warned us to stay away. A reason born out of other reasons, I'm sure, and even if it was true before, who can know if it's true today? Dargan finished with a triumphant gleam. And looking at his smirk, Pip and Clara could understand the words Da used to describe Dargon. He's young, thinks he can change the world, Da had said during dinner one night. Pip and Clara thought that maybe he could. So they traipsed on through the grassy fields of Dragontown. They passed the town's buildings, some of which were so old that their doorways extended much higher than others to accommodate a dragon's height. As the town buildings grew farther apart and the group entered Scarthing Woods, little warning signs began to appear. The children spotted a couple of scorched trees that looked like they had been there for centuries. The grass grew to be yellow after a while, and farther in, 
the children began to hear low grumbles and the whoosh of claws against the ground. Eventually, the trees began to dwindle, and they stopped before a great rolling field of yellow grass. All that separated them from the field was what appeared to the eye as a short metal fence. But the children knew the fence extended infinitely and invisibly upward, with the same magic contained in Clara's dragon stick. If a dragon were to attempt to cross it, its ears would be filled with an unbearable screech, too unbearable to continue. The children walked up to the fence and pressed their fingers against it. They looked out at the field and saw what they had come for. Dragons. An abundance of colors flashed before their eyes. Reds, blues, greens, yellows. The dragons' lithe bodies moved so quickly across the ground that it was hard to make out distinct features. The children saw a mess of claws and scales flashing in the light of the moon, and even glimpsed a few blinding spurts of fire shot into the air. Dargon was right. Magnificent. Has it started yet? Hip whispered excitedly. The dragon dance? Dargon stepped forward to the fence. Just about now, he replied, and the children could hear excitement creeping into his voice. The group was far enough away that they wouldn't be spotted if a dragon happened to glance their way, but close enough that they can make out the dragons dividing themselves into lines grouped by their colors. In a sea of coordinated movements, the dragons leaped and spun, their scales all flashing at the same time. The children watched with wide eyes as the dragons danced on, Clara's dragon stick laying forgotten in her hand. And so, without her noticing, it slipped from her fingers, falling toward the ground as quiet as a breath. Upon impact, the dragon stick let out an ear-splitting screech, and the small group of humans froze. A ripple washed over the entire herd of dragons, and the dance came to a stilted halt. A dark blue streak separated from the sea of colors and started galloping toward the children in Dargon. Clara covered her face with her hands and peeked out through her fingers as the creature came to an impossibly short stop right in front of the group. The figure towered over the humans and gazed upon them from the side with a large eye whose iris seemed to contain all the colors at once. Its midnight blue scales glimmered in the moonlight. Now up close, the children could see that beneath the scales on its eel-like body was blue fur peeking out, and its feet ended in long alabaster claws. For a moment, the dragon regarded them in silence, and the children held their breath. The dragon sniffed once and narrowed its eye. Leave, it bellowed in a deep, crackling voice. This snapped the children into action, and they scrambled backward away from the fence, but Dargon wasn't moving. He stood, frozen, staring up the dragon before him. His eyes were glassy and wide. The children each grabbed one of his hands and pulled. Come on, Dargon, we have to go, Pip shouted. But Dargon would not budge, did not even react to Pip's voice. Leave, the dragon shouted again, and this time it punctuated the command with a burst of fire. The fire traveled easily through the invisible barrier, for it had no ears. The children felt the heat as the flames smashed into a tree just behind them. The sound of the fire seemed to finally inspire Dargon to move, and he let himself be dragged by the two children through the woods. They only stopped running when the grass became green again. The rest of the walk was a silent one. Neither child had the energy to breach the heavy atmosphere that had befallen the group. When they reached their house, Dargon slinked off wordlessly into the now-dwindling night. Pip and Clara watched the outspoken, soon-to-be-seldom-spoken town member disappear among the fading shadows. They silently climbed up the rope hanging from the window and pulled it up from the ground when they reached the top. They hid the rope underneath Pip's bed and collapsed on top of their sheets. And when the children closed their eyes, all they could see was the blue-scaled beast with the eye of a thousand colors and the fire that had missed. Mm -hmm.